Hello and welcome to this episode of the Techno- Cisco Technology Podcast. It's stop laughing at me, Mark. <laughs> I can't even get my name you, you out. You failed on the, in- on the intro. Then. I know. It's me, Justin Mullen, two O's one L. And me, get Mark on Jackson. with it. Tweet me. <laughs> <laughs> um, hello. It's us again. We got Ant back on. Is this how many times you've been on, Ant? Oh, it's it's too many to count now. I feel like this is my second home. This is your second home. Mm. All right. Okay. Maybe, maybe, we need we, a pro- maybe we need to uh, kind of give a, a proper role to Ant now that oh. he's becoming such a regular member. Services consultant. So no. Chief humour officer. With, no. <laughs> You're not that funny. Not that funny. You're not that funny. My moustache is that funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not me. Um, so what are we here to talk about today? Well, we're here to talk about, because we had a, a, a semi-production meeting and Ant said, we need to talk about general data protection regulation. And I was like, what's that? And he went, it's GDPR. And I went, oh, now I know what it is because everyone keeps talking about it because it's like the the big in thing. Um, and I really don't know a lot about it apart from a lot of security people. Funnily enough, we're going to talk security again and talk and because yeah. and, Mark says we have to, don't we, Mark? Yeah, it's the rule. It's the law. Mm. There is nothing more important than security there apart from privacy. Apart from buying loads of network stuff because <laughs> that's, that's the bit that I have to sell. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to call it GDPR, and it's, it's it's interesting because it's been in the in the tech headlines a lot. I look on Twitter, and there's a I would say at least every day some vendor, some uh, news tech news company is putting something out about it. And I thought, you know what? Let's get what I regard as the experts in the room, uh, which would be Mark um, and Ant, not me, uh, to talk about it to understand what it is. And I don't know a lot about it, so I'm going to be learning on this podcast as I do most podcasts. Um, so the, these stupid questions are just the, the real questions. <laughs> so, yeah. They're not even prepped <laughs> questions. This is just Justin. Yeah, this is just Justin getting overexcited. Um, so uh, who's going to start then? Do you want me to explain what it is first? Yeah, yeah, go on. You yeah, okay. okay. So, so the kind of 10,000-foot view, the um, General Data Protection Regulation... Um, it is an EU regulation that's coming into force next May. Uh, in, in effect, it's replacing the existing uh, European and UK legislation. So in effect, there was a, there was a data uh, privacy directive um, that we have been operating under for many, many years, which is essentially the, the basis of our Data Protection Act that we currently have in the UK. Um, but importantly, what GDPR is, was really aiming to do was, uh, I guess, codify a lot of the new privacy ideas that that we now have to deal with in kind of modern technology environments. When when the Data Protection Act was written, was it kind of 90... I want to say it was 94, but I don't think it was quite as... as You're looking at us like we know what the date is. Didn't didn't the DPA come in in the UK in 1998? Yeah, it was was quite a long time ago. And you've got to remember back in 98, what did we have that we now have? You know, no smartphones, no cloud. So so the point is, is that, that privacy was a very different... Thing than it is today and so GDPR is really trying to catch up with where cloud technology is the, the movement but is that just a UK thing or is it no 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 it's, it's going to be it's related to every EU citizen effectively so this affects personal Ooh, data what? of anybody in Europe and, and so organisations have to comply if they deal with the EU if they deal so, with, so, so even with the, I'm going to say the B word hmm. Brexit yeah. Uh, that doesn't. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter because if you're doing, yeah, but if you're a standalone business, you only trades 
in the UK, do you have to be covered by GDPR? Well, well you will do because uh, GDPR comes into force before Brexit. Correct. Yeah, but, um, but, yeah, but, but, but yeah. after that, in theory, if but you, does don't, that mean if you not... don't carry any data or use any data or use any service providers that use any data of EU citizens, then yes, you, I suppose you could get away with it. it, it, it I mean, you know, it sounds like a bit of a legal grey area. It, it, yeah. it is. I mean, the reality is, is that if we as a country want to work with our EU brethren once Brexit happens, we're going to have to have equivalent data privacy. So as soon laws. as you do business yeah. with somebody from the European Union, you've got to... Yeah. Well, it, 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 to, to, to be clear on GDPR, the, the scope of applicability is if you are a processor or collector of personal data, be it US, uh, European, you have to comply with GDPR. You have to meet that legal you're, you're obligation. holding data. If you're holding, processing, yeah. collecting so, personal data. So, for instance, data. cloud service providers who might be storing data on behalf of a company, they will be equally liable for GDPR compliance, yes. as well as the controller of right, okay. the company that, you know, so, say I'm, I'm Tesco or a supermarket, I, I own the customer data, but if I'm you know, outsourcing to Amazon Web Services, yep. Amazon is equally liable they for so protecting responsibility, that. Which, okay. isn't current, which actually isn't part of the DPA today. So I'm just trying to get a, a, a summary then. So if you're holding any kind of data, so at the end of the day, if I'm holding a spreadsheet of customers, yep. of, um, and I'm trying to keep this simple for me, mm. uh, if I've got a pledgeet of all the customers that I'm training with, I've got a maybe a, a sales record of, as in what I've mm -hmm. sold to whoever, mm -hmm. uh, I've got customers' addresses, yep. bank account details, who yep. I, or, 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 or so they can and, pay me. And IP addresses, all yep. kinds of other information that you wouldn't necessarily think of as, as traditional PII. A anything, the, 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 the wording is anything that identifies a natural living person. I don't so know what an unnatural living person is, but the, but the actual legislation. So does say so a instead of like a, ma a machine, then so at the end of the day, if I'm well, no, because an IP address can I you, if that IP address could be used to identify yeah. a natural living person or a MAC address or a UUID or other identifiers, something that could ultimately can't trace I just destroy it then? Yes. Well, well uh, yeah. Let's get on to that. But <laughs> let, sorry, let's try and define the applicability. Let me just the burn everything. Of, so, so it was. It was said. Uh, the, the one thing to imagine, and it was something that was uh, presented at I think Infosec maybe last year by uh, a representative from the Information Commissioner's Office in the UK. He said that GDPR is the largest ranging legislation Europe has ever seen. At the moment, if you look at employment law or health and safety law, they're both pretty big and pretty wide reaching. GDPR eclipses both of those pieces of legislation because they cover every EU citizen. How come it's not been in the news so much then? It's, it's, it seems to be well, such a techie thing. I, I, I see a lot of... So I'm from the marketing side and obviously it, it really... Oh, affects, that's what you do. Uh -huh. It really affects um, what consent you need to get from, from yeah. customers to collect their data, to use it. Um, you know all, all that stuff about opt-in on, on web forms mm -hmm. when you're signing up for webinars, that kind of stuff. It all gets affected and yet I, I, so I see marketing articles which are all like, yes, GDPR affects you guys. There's survey after survey done by YouGov mm. and vendors which say that basically about half of UK businesses, small, medium and large, think that it doesn't apply to them or that their existing efforts cover it. Um, it's, it's, given how big and how important and, and mm. how big the fines are, um, it's remarkably flying under the radar and there's only six months to go. Yeah, and I think it, it, it's kind of an interesting one because I think there's a couple of trains of thought that I've seen when speaking to customers. I think there's those that feel they've got a good data privacy set up already that complies with current Data Protection Act. Um, 
and they're probably doing some tidy up around the around the edges but otherwise the the, the difficulty is is they almost don't know how far they need to go with it because there's no case law there's no there's no evidence to demonstrate how hard the information commission's office is going to be in terms yeah. of looking at the fines looking at the yeah it's, uh, it's, the, ve- the it's very broad and, it, and it's, it's almost deliberately ambiguous right? it, so of course it is yeah um so so, so this is a lawyer's dream then uh, uh, yes yeah. yeah the only people that are going to win out of this ultimately is going to be well actually no citizens are going to win you know general yeah. citizens you and i are going to win in in many respects but what's as well. it, how is this protecting them is this just making sure that if any is this so is this around sort of cyber security in the sense of because let me finish the yeah, statement yeah, he's shaking right. his head at me already but, which doesn't work well on podcasts i told you man. no 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 but if is this but this is a, a protecting human rights because if i've got my details held by a company and they are not by holding that data in any sort of secure manner so if they get hacked mm-hmm then my data could be lost and stolen and mm-hmm. sold or whatever. Is that what it's protecting me against as a citizen? It's So it's actually, I, I, to me, I think there's two sides to it. I think there's one is there's a set of obligations the organizations that are holding or processing personal data now have to meet from the point of view of, um, in, in effect, demonstrating that there is a legal basis against which they're collecting the data. Which, which to so an as extent, in you're, you're collecting the data so, because you... Cause you there's a, 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 I'm trying to think of the right it's word. Legitimacy. It's, it's legitimacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah, not just yeah. collecting the data. You're not just Mr. Getting consumer. You're not I'd, I'd like to, it up. Yeah, I'd like to use this data in order to um, target you with a better insurance policy yeah. or whatever like that. You have to say what you're collecting, and, and storing, and using it for, and how long for. Yeah, and and importantly, it, you know, GDPR on you know GDPR builds on DPA. Um, there are new things that are introduced, and 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 Ant's already touched on a couple of them. You know, the, this this question of consent. Now today consent has to be sought in order to collect personal data but you'll see just by going onto any website you know there's lots of pre-ticked checkboxes that sort of almost by default yeah, opt you huge, in huge long forms to explain what and why it now needs to be much much simpler uh, uh, absolutely so you can the, informed you know, consent the wording in the in gdpr is uh, is unambiguous consent so there has to be a very explicit unambiguous consent provided by the individual for their data to be collected so that can't be pre-ticked pre-ticked checkboxes on forms and you know and, and you're and you're opening yourself up to like individual and class action lawsuits yeah, gosh, if, yeah. if you don't do that as well as the, the fines from yeah. from the ico yeah yeah so there's things like that so that will protect you as a as an individual you know as all as individual citizens of of the uk and eu that we're not going to or we shouldn't find our data just being collected for reasons that we are not uh comfortable with or not happy with um so no so there's a there's a bunch of obligations around kind of collection of personal data um you know the, the there needs to be great clarity so if you look at again ants touched on it things like privacy notices that you see on on any website again your facebook's your google's your you know all those sort of social media sites where there's privacy notices that say you know in 200 pages this is how we're going to deal with your data that will not be acceptable these privacy notices have to be rewritten they have to be written in clear unambiguous language so again as a as a consumer or as an individual is having my personal data collected I know very, very clearly how that data, why that data is being collected, what's going to be done with it, and importantly, how I then contact that organisation to have that data removed, mm. uh, because it introduces things like right to be forgotten, yeah, and and, and it introduces portability as well. Yes. So you can contact yes. you can contact what your does, health. What does that insu- mean? You can contact your health insurer and say, I'd like to know what information you have about me, and I'd like that information in the form that I can give it to my new health insurer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be able to package up and provide. Does that does that really matter in the UK? 
Yeah, well, it, yeah. it's any data. So you could say, I want all the data you have about me from your bank, from or your... my shopping records from, from Tesco, shop- so I can absolutely. give it to a new supermarket. I get or, the forget stuff, because I, I think you should always have the right to say, I want to be forgotten, delete all my stuff and well, make sure well, you do. I, mean, I think that's great, because obviously, I know you've got a long background in the NHS, yeah, Mark, isn't yeah. it? But it's that bit of where you where we really should be getting to from a data protection, or yeah. from a data usage of going, right, actually... I'm happy for my data should be shared or mm-hmm. be available to the right medical people. But yeah. it's that making sure that that level of protection is in there and then yeah. there's that comeback to it. And it, yeah. put, it puts the ownership of the data back on the individual. Yeah. They, they own their own data. Yeah. And we, and we all do. There was a great uh, program I heard on Radio 4 um, about the new open banking stuff that's coming in in mm-hmm. the new year. Uh, and they were talking about that banking data, much like your health record, actually belongs to you, not the bank. Uh, and open banking obviously is about opening that data up and allowing third parties to access it and try and break that market open a little bit. But, but it, you know, it's sort of a, a similar thing. There's that consent requirement. But that there's... worries me because that's more money orientated than and people well, having third parties access to my. But but you have to, you know, you, but you you're can, in control of it. You're in control of it. You could ask oh, okay. some third party, you know, kind of fantastic startup to come in and and start processing your data to give you budgeting uh, information or or other services mm. that you don't currently okay. get from your bank. So there's kind of cool things happening, but. Coming back to GDPR, there are there are a number of new things that that I think are there to make it more transparent, more uh, clear as to what you are signing up to and how your personal data is going to be used. Um, and I think that's really that's a really important. But how does it impact a company? So I'm, I'm or an organisation because this is everything now, yeah. isn't it? You yeah. could be a, a public sector organisation or a public sector body. You could be a school. You could be a a, a business. Yeah. How does what the, what does that person does company mean? mean to, what does that mean to them? So, uh, a lot of it boils down to um, kind of uh, firstly that you know understanding what personal data they have and and trying to trying to go back over what you know what sort of personal data is that organisation collected and are they collecting it on the basis you know does do they have a legal basis for having and collecting that data legitimate grounds legitimate yeah. grounds thank you. Um, you know, they just need to go back through that process because you're. So it is a process of going. We need to basically go through and have a look at what we're doing and what we're gathering. And, and are we doing absolutely. this? Are we gathering stuff that we can do legitimately well, stay? And yes. I think, or again, this just That's smells like lawyers point. all the time, though. Yeah. It's it's a bit it's a bit like any kind of mm. data compliance mm. it, the easiest way to, to make it easier to comply is to store less data yeah and that's one of the one of the things that mm. gdpr suggests is minimize the data that <laughs> yeah. you collect and store only, only collect data yeah. you need to collect because that will yeah even if you are then breached mm. that then reduces the scale and, and, it, and impact of that breach you know yeah. don't don't store credit card details unless you have to don't store medical data unless you have to yeah. And actually, medical data is a really interesting one because uh, GDPR actually classifies two different types of personal data. They talk about general personal data, which is, you know, names, date, births, addresses. And then you've got a special category of data, which is to do with children's data or um, biometric data, healthcare data, and this kind of stuff. This can impact so many areas, though, isn't it? And and this is what it sort of rolls back to my point earlier, which is actually GDPR is probably one of the biggest pieces of legislation ever. But then you look at, I'm just thinking of a Sunday morning, you've got kids' sports clubs and things like that. And you go in... Yeah, I mean, there, there are some variances of what you need to do based on the volume and mm. sensitivity of, of the data you're collecting and how big you are. Like, mm. you don't need to appoint a data protection officer <laughs> if you're a kid's, um, you know, a single football club football for, for 15, yeah. 15 kids. But if you were a nationwide um, organiser of children's clubs, you probably would have right, to. Right, so there, there is... There is 
there's, say there's, limits, there's, but there are cut-off yeah, points. Yeah. It's, it's trying to be sensible and proportionate. I, and that's exactly the thing. You know, the, there's nothing in GDPR that I don't think any organisation that is responsible should be concerned about because it's all about doing some sensible things about how we handle personal data. It's how we transfer it, how we collect it. Do we minimise the amount of collection? Do we protect it when it's stored? Who, you know, have, do we, who has access to it and what do we use it for? Absolutely. All of those and do they have they got a legitimate access? You know, do the, do all of your employees really need access to your HR database? Probably not. Actually, it's probably sensible to limit that down to those with a legitimate reason to go and access that. And and what what GDPR introduces on top of on top of DPA is that you need to be able to evidence a lot of the decisions and thinking you've done around how you've designed your systems that are handling personal data. So they they sort of talk about this concept of privacy by design. And the idea there is that, that at any given point, you could be um, asked for, an, you know, there could be an audit on you as an organization that's collecting personal or, data. Or an individual consumer could say, please provide uh, me the yeah. records. Yeah. And if you can't quickly and simply deliver yeah. that information, you know, you're, you're going to be potentially in violation. But also it could cause you to go out of business just through sheer admin yes. of, of what yeah. you need to do yeah. to reveal that information. Is, there's, there's a little gremlin going off in my head there. Going, could that be used as a real... If you want to disrupt a company, you could then gain, yeah. You could yeah. then create a, yeah, I try, know, try, a, a, a denial of service yeah. attack. You, you could, although although the ICO, um, the way the way that the... I can't remember the exact wording in the legislation, but they do talk about and there's a great word that the ICO used recently in, in, a, in a particular case was vexatious. There was a request that went into a government department recently that was that was publicised about their use of um, uh, some social media channel. It, I don't know whether it was WhatsApp or Slack or someone like. It was basically saying, "Tell me how much." Like a kind of freedom of information. It, it was. It wasn't. It, this was yeah, an people, FOI request. People, people yeah, yeah, but that, that was that was for yeah, WhatsApp saying like how many how many conversations yeah. happened and and they. No, I think it was using a it legitimate. Was it was Slack. It was yeah, because yeah, it was a government. Tell me what government, yeah, what government? How many conversations is, have you had? And they went, we can't find that because when it's hosted in the cloud, and we yeah, can't get that yeah, acceptation, yeah. and that's just a bit silly. Yeah, but but the, but the point was is that the ICO, you know, when that individual's FOI request wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't satisfied, they es- they escalated to the Information Commissioner's Office, and their response was, well, we believe this request to be vexatious, and therefore, actually, as a department, you don't have to comply with it. And I think the same thing will happen here: is if you suddenly say, you know get 10,000 of your mates on Facebook to go and send subject access requests, which is the, the mechanism through which you can collect your personal data from a, an yeah, organization. Or you do one of those requests every week. Yeah, then, then actually, they firstly, they can start to charge for it um, because under GDPR, they can't charge for a what's called a subject access request where you legitimately just want to collect your data. Um, but if you suddenly send one a week, then there is uh, it is codified within the legislation to say, actually, you could start to charge a nominal fee to say, actually, you need to start you know, pay me 20 quid every time you go and make one of these requests because you're just doing it too right, often. Right, okay, but that doesn't seem too bad because it, I'm still thinking with my little gremlin going, oh, do you know what, if I really yeah. want to be a pain in the well, bum yeah, to somebody. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. that's precisely the point, is it? it it's, it it's trying, GDPR is trying to encourage citizens to take more ownership yes. for their information and then they can hold their companies to account to say, yeah. well, what, what have you got on me? How are you using it? Are you complying with I just with think if people get organised... Yeah, well, that, that's precisely the point. And, and, but companies should be responding to that by saying, right, what processes do I need to put uh, yes. in place in order to make this painless for me? And um, this comes back to the point you were asking earlier, which is what's the impact to an organisation on... Yeah, I think we need to come on to that. Yeah, I think we it, need to get know, to that, don't and, we? And, and it is those sorts of things. So what is your process for handling inbound requests for subject access... How quickly can you process them and, and how do you kind of feed that into a standard business process? If you've got to go and go through lots of paper trails and, and use, you know, 20 staff to deal with every subject access request, kind of doesn't sound like a scalable solution if you're a big 
consumer and processor of personal data. Um, so you need to automate that. You need a, a slick mechanism. And, and the same will be true of so how do you have data removed if somebody puts a request in to have to be forgotten? You need to be able to comply and demonstrate you can comply. So what does a, a, an organization need to do from this? So do they, they, you know, obviously, it's think about, you mentioned earlier on about they need to think about how much data do they collect. Yeah. Do they need to collect it? Are you collecting it just for the sake of collecting mm-hmm. it? Are you collecting it because it'd be nice to have? Mm-hmm. Or are you actually collecting it because there's a genuine need to it? it what other things do an organization, obviously you've mentioned about how you do with the redresser when people ask for information mm-hmm. requests and yep. say, look, I want to know where my date, what, what date do you have on me? Mm-hmm. So there's, that's the other thing. You need to be able to do in that process of making sure that it's not being vexatious. Mm-hmm. Think about what you need to collect. Mm-hmm. Think about when people ask for information, but there's a lot of stuff in between. What would yeah. that be? Uh, well, I, you know, to me, it's, it's, it, You've started off with those two things, so it's 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 how do how do I deal with those new obligations that are coming in? So subject access requests and, and being able to deal with them quickly. It then goes into things like breach notification. So one of the big things that people talk about under GDPR is um, if you have a breach of personal data, and I don't just mean a record goes missing. You know, this is potentially a substantial breach, like a proper you've been hacked. Like yeah, a, yeah. there's there's a line in it, something like uh, of of significant risk to, indiv- to individuals' yeah. life, liberty, or justice. That's I don't it, know. Yeah. yeah, something something non-American but something like that um, and effectively you have to you are obligated to notify the information commissions office in the UK and or, potentially the individuals if it's severe enough and and potentially the individuals within 72 hours so what that boils down to is right am, am I organizationally do I have the right procedures do I have the right technology do I have the right uh, incident response planning and so on and so forth to be able to a identify the fact that I've been popped uh, within, you know, within uh, yeah, for that breach. It, I think it's important to say that not discovering that you've got a, you've had a breach <laughs> is, is not an appropriate no, response. No, <laughs> if you're in front of a select committee and they're saying, well, why didn't you know? And your response is, well, we, we just don't we look for stuff. We didn't bother to look, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it probably isn't going to go down very well. So, so and again, you know, the, the, the difficulty is with this is, well, what does that mean in real terms? And, and the problem is the legislation isn't enacted yet, so we don't really know how people are going to... But, but you, could, you could simply stay... Do I have enough monitoring in, in place to be able to identify if I've had a breach? Do I have a process? And, and, and is there a so, so is, uh, do I have the technology to, to spot if I've been breached? Yep. And do I have a process to deal with that? To be able to deal. What's with the it? time scale? Seventy two hours. Seventy two hours. You've got you've been you've been breached and you've yep. got seventy two hours to do it. You've got seventy two um, hours to notify the information yeah. commission. Once you found out, which you found when you found out. So you could be found out like six months. What's the average now? Oh, it's like a hundred plus days. Hundred plus to, days. To so you got a yeah. hundred plus days, and then you got sent. So you find out hundred days later that you've been breached. Yeah, and then and you've then, got seventy two hours to, you, to say I've been breached. Here's what the here's how many records were affected. Uh, here's what the kind of scope and impact is. And so even seventy two hours, I thought. You mean uh, when you put that into scale? So I'm trying to. Say it's not. You haven't got seventy-two hours to it's spot not, that you've been. Breached, no, 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 it's not. You've been from discovery. No. It's yeah. from, from discovery, discovery. So you could still be as awful as ever well, okay. and have no process. Except but that you, the fine is likely to be larger if if it yeah. transpires that you've so the, had the fine is it. But you've got seventy-two hours to collect that data. Yes, and that's huge. Yeah, and again, oh, this isn't. This isn't. Of, you know, they're not expecting work. you to send a five hundred page report within seven. You know, this is about notification collecting of some basic evidence of what the breach was, what you believe to be the scope of that breach. And but of if course you're it, not a... I mean, I'm just thinking, if you're a business yeah. that's not in the world of IT, mm-hmm. 
That's huge. Oh yeah, seventy-two hours would go very quickly. That, that so. is gone. You mean, and you're supposed to have slept in some of that time as well. So or you, probably so, not. So. Well, no, you <laughs> wouldn't. And I think that's that's the challenge. Going, how do you? If I'm running a a fairly successful bakery and mm. I'm shipping croissants to all around the world yep. and to Europe to our mm. wonderful friends mm. in 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 on continental Europe and. And you've got uh, Dave. Dave is your IT guy. Dave's the IT and guy. He's got and no he, experience and he, with this type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. How does that? Well, so so my interpretation, and this is where I think it starts to get a little bit grey, and you probably need to get a lawyer in the room. But my interpretation is that if you were, you know, Justin's Bakery Corp, and and you happen to be using, say, a cloud service provider, because are you really going to stand up a server in the back of your shop with all of your customer data on it? Possibly not. I might want to. I might want you, to use you, Absolutely. So so let's assume that you're you know you're kind of in the 21st century and you're using a cloud provider to host your customer data. So what I believe you would need to then have is an is the appropriate legal contract in place with that cloud provider which would demonstrate their compliance with GDPR because obviously the breach isn't going to happen yeah, on you your need technology. To do some kind of third party assessment. It, it's essentially you are you're not handing the risk to them but you are essentially relying but I could upon be, them. I could to be satisfy collecting that. data and, and this is only because on the news maybe last week or the mm-hmm. week before it was on Radio 5 mm-hmm. uh, other radio stations are available. Um, but it was a company, it was a small company, but they lost £73,000 because mm-hmm. somebody gone in there and hacked their email system mm-hmm. and then worked out that, and then basically created headed, headed emails, headed letters as mm-hmm. well, sent them to the customer as, as of I'm mm-hmm. a supplier saying, yep. we've changed our bank account details. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so basically yeah. they've, lost a, the book, they've yeah. lost a load of money. They've lost a load of money. They did, and they were more concerned about the bank making making these payments happening, and sure. weren't and maybe because that's how it was summarised on the for the conversation of the news yeah. report. But they didn't talk about at all about how they were hacked, what they're doing about. It. And if they're running a, you mean they could say, right, okay, I'm running a business. I then go off to a local IT provider saying, right, yeah. provide me with a managed service of basically you come yeah. in and get my email system up and working. You've got me on the internet. I've got some phones, uh-huh. and then you and I'll phone you up when things go wrong. Yeah. You mean how does? Well, yeah. the, the assessment the the auditors would make would be around what what investigation did you do when choosing that provider? Yeah. How how much did you monitor them and and what whether there are any vulnerabilities at your end, like yeah. you know, on your endpoint devices and that kind of stuff. Where so, so that would would that be part of the contract then of going right? I have to say, it, it, so all contracts nowadays, if I if I'm signing a managed service mm. from it as in mm. a support contract mm. with an IT provider, I got to say that in there there goes. If 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 and when I, we are our data is breached mm-hmm. or, or you're holding our data, you mm-hmm. need to make sure that you're only holding data that you need to hold, mm-hmm. and you're also if we're if we're compromised, you need to be able to provide me with yep. within within I know you could most probably say within 48 hours I want a full report or I want a report on yep. what was the impact, what data was lost, mm-hmm. and so I can then at least report that back up to you do whatever the, you like in a contract. Well, yeah. no, I know that, <laughs> I mean, but, but people need to have that. Do they need they to have that? that? Absolutely, yeah. And this is small and this is businesses why, again, to big businesses. This is, this is yeah, this, why this, this, it's so impactful. Exactly, because, because just like the individual uh, citizen can come to you and ask those tough questions, mm. now you need to go and ask your cloud providers those same tough questions. So mm. What are you doing when you design products to make sure yeah. they're secure? What are you doing yeah. when you run a service for me? So, yeah. so you need to have a sort of... Crikey! It's, it's it's. I'm sorry. I know most of you sound very a bit bit, bit no, but vague, that, but I just but just it's really impactful. It's yeah. you see where I think it starts to get difficult. You know, it's not the big businesses that are really. I think you know, big businesses. 
are clearly going to have to do a lot purely because they've probably got so many stovepipes of personal data that they probably yeah. don't know they must exist. exist. Yeah, yeah. they and must have got huge amounts of data, and they've also got a huge amount of risk because they, they because they're big brands, they're big brands, but, but, and things you know, like that. Your local window cleaner who has I don't know a, a spreadsheet on his computer at home that's run his his legitimate business on, and he's got personal data on that. You've got to think, well, how does that apply in that area? And of course, it comes down to proportionality again. As I'm sort of because he word could be early. holding that stuff up in iCloud. Or anywhere, couldn't he? That could be, they could be backed up to... Yeah, but the point is, is again, it's that proportionality. You know, It's in, unlikely that individual's ever going to end up in front of a select committee or, or the ICO. He, he would not be expected to have a next-generation firewall no. in, in his bedroom where he keeps his laptop. No, but yeah. he would be expected to probably password have antivirus, security. probably yeah. have some sensible password security, and probably have a patched, up-to-date operating system. Yeah. Um, and this this gets to what, what the actual sort of security requirements are yeah. of GDPR, and... They, they they mention some specific techniques like encryption yes. and tokenization um, yeah, of data yeah. and things like that. Yeah, all, all of the sort of familiar things. But but essentially, it says you must put in place security that is appropriate yeah. to the risk you face. Yeah, and you must be able to demonstrate your effectiveness. Yeah. So there's no there's no checklist. And I'm, I'm but, this, but there is thing for but this just seems to affect any 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 organization, big, small, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But your level of responsibility is negated by I didn't know. No, no, no. I, I, absolutely not. And in, and in fact, we were chatting about it earlier, which is that if 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 you can legitimately stand up, uh, if, let's say you've lost a million records, you know, and, and you think, right, okay, I've lost a million records, I've notified the ICO, and now you've got to go and, you know, you, you're going to be audited, you're going to be checked, and so on and so forth. If you can legitimately stand up and say, look, we've done, we've got a good patch management regime, we've got this kind of infosec environment set up, we've maybe got ISO 27001 certification. There's no shame in being breached. No. Because... It, it, Everyone will be breached. Everyone's been breached. But Everyone's if been you breached. if you stand up and say, "Oh, actually, you know what? We haven't patched that system in about six months, and and we don't really have up to date antivirus." And I actually didn't even know that system was there. It was a real surprise when I heard about it. And we were and storing all our customer data in a in a random cloud yeah, provider that, that we didn't wasn't know about. encrypted. Yeah. And we, you know, that that then will start to attract, you know, fines, fines and. But that's and, the thing, though. When you talk, look at hospitals yeah. or universities, mm-hmm. and there will be somebody running a server, mm-hmm. and I, I am. Hypothesize, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there'd be somebody running a machine Mm -hmm. that's mostly used for a genuine academic or maybe medical reasons, capturing data, but it's a server or a PC sat under a desk somewhere. But but this is why you need some kind of tool on the network which detects where the traffic flows are and who's accessing what and. Uh, you know, so mm. you, you should you should be able to work that out as an as a you know universities have IT departments. Yeah, they, they should. Oh, well, they do, but it's, it's 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 but it's. it's I, I always worry about though is when you look at the NHS and, yeah. and we looked at WannaCry and they were impacted by it. But it's the you mean the level of scale and I, I, I of 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 cost that goes to it to making sure that you're patched, making sure you're up to date. You mean that's a massive. It, cost it is, though. but by the same token. You're talking about the data of in. You're talking about personal medical data in that circumstance, and actually, it's inexcusable. Yeah, it's not acceptable to it's, have an unpatched no. Windows XP. Laptop. But then, but no, then, no. If, you, if you're in a, in, a, in a, and we're not in a perfect world, but mm. you've only got a certain amount of money, and, mm. and just pick up on that point. This is not an IT problem. This is a data governance business risk problem. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not about buying more PCs and buying more technology. And that's yeah, it's about training those nurses not to be storing confidential data yeah. on the desktop. Yeah, and, and and the NHS actually does a lot of this stuff already. You know, years yeah, ago the NHS would have written up your patient data on a whiteboard at a reception to say you well, know humans in bed number three. They don't do that anymore because that not? is a breach of data protection. Please oh, visit okay. and bring grapes. But you know, it's it's the, the NHS actually is a good example of where data governance and data privacy is. I'm not saying it's perfect. 
because no organization is perfect around this but i think they they grasped this nettle a long time ago and and i've almost you know kind of ultra paranoid about it um but but any organization has got to do something this is just about this is almost a cost of doing business this is meeting this is actually meeting the law in the same way it is about health and safety you know health and safety is, is this what is it, you mean is this health and safety for it now? I, no it's not it this is health and safety for personal oh, data for data it's okay health and safety yeah. for data I, yeah. I, one of the one yeah. of the kind of metaphors that that I, I've heard is that this is like a uh, this is not a crash diet. It's a fitness plan. It's that you know this is this is healthy living. That's good. Um, you know this this is supposed to make. God, your, I even I I, 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 know, I, I know. rolled. Then. I know, but but oh. no, I like that. I like it. But it's for like, about healthy living. It's, it's the old thing of of oh what what boxes can we buy yeah. that at huge expense to stick in here to solve the problem for us? Instead, this is about stopping doing things, doing things the right way. Yes. And yes, a diet or or a healthy living plan. Make, yeah, makes you roll your eyes not not from the cheesiness of it, but from the fact that it oh, was God, the cheesiness that I rolled my eyes at. It's unfun. Absolutely right, though. It is that that you see so many security programs that are very much a knee-jerk reaction. We've just been breached. What box or technology can, can we I, buy? Can to I buy an intrusion prevention system and stick it in so, the So the answer, answer is. is yeah. So the answer is, and we're going to be very, very sort of socialist. We're not going to be very selling stuff. It's about. Actually, you, you sh- it's about procedure. It's people, policy, and process again. It, it, this is this is more in the people and policy and process than it is the technology. The technology, you can't ignore the technology. And in fact, there are elements of technology enshrined in in the legislation. Ants already talked about it. They talk about encryption and uh, data anonymization. As in encrypt, encrypting data at encrypt, rest. Yeah. So so if you are storing lots of personal data, encrypt it or or anonymize it or tokenize it in yeah. some way. And, so and that control access to it. And which control means you need to have an identity and access management. Yeah. And process. you know things like breach notification. Well, how are you going to be able to collect the evidence that you've been breached and how it's been breached? Yeah, so you probably need a log management system and a network monitoring Correct. System. Yeah, so how do you... And privacy by design. How are you going to ensure that only the minimum amount of access to a system is is enabled? So if you are a, a patient record system, let's use the NHS again. Apologies to anybody who's listening from the NHS. We're not picking on you. We're just using you as a good example. Um, you know, actually, does every member of staff need to get access to that patient record system? The answer is probably not. So how are you as an organization demonstrating that you are enforcing what we've known in the security world as the principle of least privilege, which is only allow access to those people that need access? Yeah, it's kind of classic whitelisting policy. Um, Because most people don't do that today. Yeah. And then there's there's all the sort of really basic ultra low hanging fruit of security like mm-hmm. where do most breaches happen you know if you, if you have to de- disclose a breach in 72 hours mm. try stopping the breaches happening well it's stuff like malware it's stuff like um, weak endpoints so yeah antivirus we've talked about yeah. email security yeah. those kinds of things are you, you should already have in, in yeah. your in your infrastructure and you should yeah. just set them up properly, but it's the things that you're sure saying are like happens. patching make sure the patch yeah. and and you mean we've got lots of things that have been how can i spot if it's, it's about so i think from a technology point of view it sort of comes into two camps. One is just making what do you do with your data and just uh-huh. be diligent. Yes. You might not have to buy anything. It's about mm. turn on encryption, mm. which I'm sure every every sort of every laptop's every got laptop's it. Every laptop's got it. Yeah. Every server's got it. You just yeah. encrypt the data that's on yeah. that hard and drive. And they might you know, again, this is one thing I will just quickly draw back to is that there is existing privacy legis- legislation in place in, in the form of DPA that already enshrines 
80% plus of what yeah. GDPR is going to bring in. So this shouldn't be news to a lot well, of well, organizations. And, and lots and lots of other compliance requirements as well, like yes. p p yeah, PCI DSS. Yes, and, and one of the complaints about GDPR is that it doesn't give you a technology checklist. Um, but then yeah, you, you should already be complying with things like PCI DSS. Yeah, but PCI has checklist. been around for a long, long yeah, time. And long. It, and but it was very breached. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and pe and, but it was always a thing. I, mean, I worked in retail before coming to Cisco mm. and in that or in retail environment. And when PCI came in, it was a very big thing, and mm -hmm. everyone was all over it from from the vendors who sell to retail yeah. to the retailers themselves. And and, and the thing about PCI is that that it, it became uh, it, it became one of those things. It's like right, okay, what do I need to become PCI compliant? Yeah. Tick 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 tick. Done. That's my security program finished, and I can now go and worry about something else. And that's fundamentally like the crash diet idea that that Adam yeah. Was sort although of although about. in in defence of the of the 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 council, the the yeah. idea of PCI was to sort of be a bit more sustainable than that. Yes. Um, and, and really, they were just trying to also cover the low-hanging fruit, like have a lock on your server room door yeah. is one of is literally yeah. one of the requirements. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. do badge management at, in mm, your offices. Mm, mm. And it's amazing how many of those things don't happen. Yes. You know, listen to our Cyber War Games podcast. Cyber War Games podcast, uh, that's a very good you, one. You can just walk into a lot of office buildings and get some sensitive stuff. Yeah. So it, yeah, P PCI gives you gives you a checklist. It might be a good starting point for for GDPR. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you know. So so I, I suppose trying to summarise what we've been talking about for me, you know, GDPR is fundamentally going to affect so many organisations uh, that collect any sort of personal data. It's got to start with understanding what your personal data is and, and making sure that you are collecting it legitimately. You're that you're getting the right consents in place. Note that also consents aren't retrospective, so you don't have to go and seek consent for data you've already collected. It's only sort That's of going forward. Important. That's a really important point because some people have misunderstood that. Um, you know, make sure you've got a legal basis and you're demonstrating that legal basis. Make sure, it, you know, to me, it's a lot about demonstrating that you've done the right thinking. It's almost showing your showing your working. You know, going back to the days of school where, you know, I came to this decision to implement my security controls in this way because of this. And I think as long as that is a, a well-demonstrated... You mean like showing your workings out? Yeah, it is exactly. It's showing your working out. Um, and, and getting to that point of uh, being, you know, if you, you know, the, the question is, if you were in front of a select committee, how would you justify and demonstrate that you've done everything that is re could be reasonably expected of you to keep your data secure or keep that data protected? That, to me, is almost the, the exam question. If you get to the point where you say, no, we haven't actually patched and we don't have a... AV system and we don't have those are not good responses so that that to me is the crux of it and that's primarily around people you know policy and process um, but there's then that technology supporting element you know do you have the technologies yeah. that will help you get those outcomes yeah and that's the bit isn't it what it always comes down to is yeah. people polish but and, and do you have that and if they, you do not is there a way of using technology to either make it easier yes or to do you know what, that to fill a gap yeah or to automate something yeah. Apps, then that's exactly it so it's I'm trying to be a very um for this podcast of not trying to be very salesy as in let's give people advice let's give people knowledge because yeah. yeah. that's I, what I, I've I, seen I'm a lot of absolutely sitting here trying not to talk about Cisco services right now <laughs> and, and it's really hard but no <laughs> but that's the point that, but yeah. that, to my point is is you mean they, we've seen a lot of information out there of, of vendors and things like that who have been very very look you can buy stuff to solve buy some stuff from buy a product and it will help you be compliant and, it, and I, I, I dislike and advise heavily against people having that conversation it, it it's it's it, it may enable or help some of those outcomes you know like say automation it will, con it will contribute to the capability yes that you need. but if you're not doing the policy and process bit 
then you've missed the point. Yeah. If you're if you're seeking a box to buy that will help you yeah. become GDP compliant. And, well, I think we talked yeah, about that on the, the, the instant response po- podcast, which is yeah. you, you get alerts, but if no one's looking at them yeah. and doing something about it, then yeah. you, you've, you might as well have not spent that money. But, but that's the thing. So if you look at it and, and you go, right, have you done like endpoint protection? Are, is your data at rest encrypted, mm-hmm. whether it's on a laptop, whether it's on a server or whatever, in or, transit. A, or in transit or whatever? You mean... Um, are you able to, right, how do you tell if you've been breached? Well, mm. do you have an ability to do that? Do you, does your service provider provide you yeah. the ability to do that? And if, if there isn't there, then is there a way of you looking at that mm-hmm. without having to log onto your logs or, 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 or every day to see if somebody's yeah. been breached? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you ensure that only the right people have the right access mm. to data? That's the other thing as well. So ask those questions. I might be getting this wrong now, Mark. No, no, so I'm looking at, and then, and, and these are, hopefully these are valid things to say. And then you think, do you know what? If I'm a bit stuck and I'm not quite sure, then you mean there's there's places to go for information, isn't there? There's mm-hmm. some resources. There must be some yeah. some white papers out there. Yeah, I mean, we so I'll I'll give Justin the link to put on the blog post when this goes live. But we have a GDPR microsite uh, on our Cisco UK Ireland pages. Uh, we've got we've got a white paper on instant response. We've got uh, you know infographics and MythBusters. We've got some. Uh, some webinar recordings with people who know their stuff even more than we do, like our uh, you know, head of data privacy for, for Cisco and Mia. There's there's also other independent resources like the Information Commissioner's Office has got a, a, a nice 12 steps that you need to do, which is specifically aimed at smaller businesses. Um, but then also, you know, I guess you can talk to your Cisco account manager. And we do have we do have some services. I have to say, no, 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 um, it, it, that's you know, absolutely fine. Like we, we got you got six months left to comply and and. In some cases, it may be easier to bring in some outside help and mm-hmm. say, right, this is this is the technology that you should put in for your particular needs. This is the assessment that you need to do, mm-hmm. and you know, outsource some stuff too. Like we've got our instant response services, we've got Active Threat Analytics, which basically is an outsourced SOC, um, and that can help do some of the things that you need to do in order to show that you're protecting personal data, which is really what it's all about. Yeah, that sounds to me that we've covered everything. And we've had a good debate. I don't think there's an answer for everything here, though, is it? it? But it, it's the reason, it, you know, the legislation is know, something like 20,000 words long or something. Big. But at least somebody could, hopefully at the end of this podcast, somebody has a good underst- has a, an idea of, of what G- GDPR is and what it involves. We've had a good debate about it, and I thought it's been quite quite fun and good, quite robust yeah. as well. The, and the, the real, the real sort of takeaway for me is that it's deliberately vague and it's deliberately designed to scare you into doing it properly. <laughs> um, and as long as you are putting in the right effort and doing the you know, doing the right things for the right reasons you're not going to get slapped for no. it okay. if you try and uh, put a sticking plaster over a broken organization you will get slapped with a fine of and if you think if I just of global turnover right okay crikey yeah. big fines big fines yeah just remember that big fines mm. big all right fines. then um Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. Thanks to you, Mark. And thank you very much, Anne, for coming on again. You're always welcome. And uh, if you've got any questions, we'll, we'll definitely post some of those links up onto the, onto the blog post when, we, when I do it. So make sure you send them over. And that's your job I will, now. I will. That's your responsibility. Um, thanks very much for listening. Looking forward to speaking to you at the next podcast. Bye, all. Bye, all.